0: Welcome to Mammal Talk, the companion podcast for the Blood Bowl Mid-Atlantic Mauling League. We're talking about Week 3 of the Chaos Cup, the midway point in the Swiss rounds of competition. The Chaos Cup continues to be on fire. Great games this week by all coaches in the league. It is a tough competition this year. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about formation structure, about over committing on offense and defense, and about the importance of action order. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to episode five in this episode, we'll be talking about week three of the Chaos Cup. Actually, we'll be talking about the first or the last three games of week two, the first two games of week three, and then we'll be speculating on the final three games of week three. Week three, a pivotal week in the Chaos Cup. This is the midpoint in Swiss competition. There are five rounds only for teams to make the cut to top four. So very key week to determine strategies going forward, whether you're going to play to try to crack the top four or whether you're going to try to play to better your position further in the season. First up, we'll talk about game three in week two. This was a minor matter at Take the Wood, Take the Bad, minor, a minor matter coached by Artificial Bunny. It is an underworld team. Take the Wood, Take the Bad is a wood elf team. It's my team, coached by AB Unit 2. And this game was... <laughs> This game opened with lots of technical difficulties. In fact, that was really <laughs> that's that was really the theme of the week. <laughs> but we got it sorted out, and it was a lot of fun regardless. <laughs> but you know, a minor matter is an underworld team, and we've said this before. Underworld's very weak at low TV. They really only get going once they start to kit out their team with their those mutations, and because of that, and due to the fact that they have a lot of AV six on their roster. Take the wood, take the bad. Decided to play a little more bashy than you might expect from a wood elf team. They, the strategy they took was to bash as much as was reasonable. They're not going to play the game like, like a dwarven team. They're not going to play the game like a lizard man team. But they did decide to, to take blocks and try to get the player advantage early. They they worked for. Blitzes that would enable further blocks. Uh, They won the coin toss, so on the first half, they decided to go on defense, as you do. Set up with standard elf defense, a two-deep defense. A minor matter took a turn one foul that resulted in an ejection that gave take the wood, take the bad, a one-man player advantage right out of the gate. And they decided to press that advantage and press it hard. Again, they they worked for those blitzes that enabled blocks, really focusing down on those AV7 players, trying to take them off the pitch, and it worked out. As a Elvin team, as a Wood Elf team in particular, where everybody's an AV7 except for the big guy, but there's no big guy on, on Take the Woods roster, you don't want to allow your opponent to hit you. Everybody's aware of this. A lot of coaches interpret that as taking dodges. But a two-die block is generally better than taking the dodge. So because Take the Wood, Take the Bad decided to go for a more bashy approach to this game, this really gelled well with their defense. They could set up the blitzes, get the blocks, get the knockdowns, get the pushes if necessary. And uh, it really worked out. Very well for Take the Wood, Take the Bad. So well, in fact, that they were able to apply pressure with the war dancer on turn two, a pressure on the cage, and this led to a leap blitz that broke the cage on turn four. To Artificial Bunny's credit, a minor matter did a good job covering the ball after the cage was broken. Very good job. It's often very difficult. You'll see coaches, and we'll, we'll speak to this later in the podcast, but you'll see coaches overcommit on one side of the ball, either they'll overcommit on offense or they'll overcommit on defense to the point where if the ball exchanges hands, they have a difficult time resetting their formation to the other side. In other words, if you're on offense and you lose the ball, they overcommit on offense. So when they lose the ball, they can't really gather their team to, to build an effective defense and vice versa. However, a minor matter did this very well. They were able to fluidly switch between offense and defense and really Kept a lot of protection on that ball, even when they lost it. So really well done by Artificial Bunny. On turn seven, take the wood, take the bad. Tried to take a dodge with the War Dancer. It was a positive dodge, so it was a 2-plus dodge. Failed. War Dancers, of course, have the dodge skill. They get a free reroll. Failed it again. So Snake Eyes fail on turn seven to try to score. They had another opportunity on turn eight, but an Interception, this had to result in the pass and an interception stopped that attempt. But otherwise good action order by take the wood, take the bad to try to get back this ball on the half that wasn't there and try to score and really good play by a minor matter, keeping his formation structure intact to stop the score and keep the, keep the game at a zero zero tie at the half. On turn nine, take the wood, take the bad decided to go for a foul. They were five, players up at this point and these were all in injuries no ko's went for a foul didn't work out decided you know what that's enough we're gonna cage up on turn 10 they set up a half cage on the left sideline which then resulted in a stall to turn 15 and i think this was a strategic mistake on the part of take the Wood, take the bad they were up five players they had a five man player advantage beginning the half all in injuries so none of these players are coming back for the game. You could score very quickly. You can get the ball back really quickly. There was no better time to try to win this game 3-0, to try to get as many SPP as you could, spread that SPP out on your players. Instead, Take the Wood, Take the Bad tried to play for injuries. They were trying to hurt a minor matter so that they would be in a weaker position should the two teams meet again in the future, which they almost certainly will. I think that was a strategic mistake on Take the Wood, Take the Bad's part. However, they, they picked up the win. They, they won the game 1-0, and a minor matter, picked up the dodge skill on their number 12 Skaven thrower. Interesting choice not to pick up the mutation, but dodge is always a solid choice on players. Game four was Pity the Ghoul at Pips Pippi Fan Club. Pity the Ghoul, coached by Dead Fred, is a Necro team. Pips Pippi Fan Club is a lizard man team, coached by El Nubarino. This was a highlight game of the week. Man, if you haven't seen this game, go watch it. Go watch it on Twitch or on the, on the YouTube archive. This was such a chess match. I was really impressed by both coaches in this game. Pity the Ghoul, in particular, had really clever positioning to move the ball down pitch. They were on offense in the first half. Pip Pippi Fan Club has six Saruses to deal with. They all have strength of four. Pity the Ghoul was able to mark those Saruses in such a good way that they were out of the drive. And consequently, Pity the Ghoul got the ball to the 18-yard line by turn three. However, El Nubarino retaliated with a really solid defense. They wrestled away control of the ball and got it into the hands of the skinks. They have to get it into the hands of the skinks because the Saras' all have an AG of one. Got it into the hands of a skink, but on turn four, Pity the Ghoul was able to surf the ball carrier, which resulted in a throw-in that threw the ball all the way to the opposite 20-yard line. So now the ball is all the way across the pitch, and no one is near it, and this kicks off a race to the ball. And this race was one of my favorite moments of the season so far. This was a chess match. Pips Pippi Fam Club was able to get a Saris down pitch quickly, but remember, the Saris only has an AG of one. That's going to waste time. This gives Pity the Ghoul enough opportunity to get three players back to get on this ball. El Nubarino and the Pips Pippi fan club see this and they start to counter to try to get more players down pitch. They ultimately got two Saras's down pitch, but it was such a chess match to watch these players try to descend on the ball while also controlling pitch and preventing other players from getting at the ball. It was a genuine chess match watching these players move and position and and take certain directions and angles and exert tackle zones in certain places. It was so fun to watch and so well done by both coaches. By turn six, MacGyver, the ghoul, was able to grab the ball, dodge out for free, positive dodge with the dodge skill. Unfortunately, Pity the Ghoul on turn seven pulled their zombie in scoring position out of scoring position, which prevented them from scoring. They did this to to shore up their defense and they really didn't want Pips Pippi fan club to score. So they decided to go defense instead of offense, but I would have really loved to see that score, especially after that, that chess match way back on the other side of the pitch. One thing I didn't mention was Pips Pippi fan club had a, I think it was turn four excellent surf on the werewolf to get a KO werewolves and flesh golems are the name of the game for the, for necro teams. Taking out a werewolf is big And identifying that surf was really good play by El Nubarino. Pips Pippi Fan Club got the ball on the second half. They played standard bashy Lizardman ball. They started out with a loose cage. They eventually tightened that up into a nice tight X cage and played solid standard bashy offensive play. They took hits. They opened up holes. They moved the cage down pitch. Ended up scoring on turn 16 1-0 was the final. Pippi Fan Club comes out on top. An excellent game by both coaches. Again, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It was stellar. And, man, (laughs) Dead Fred just really did a phenomenal job with that Necro team. Lizardmen, El Nubarino played his team very well, but I think Lizardmen teams are a lot more understandable to play where Necro is a little more nuanced and complicated. And watching Dead Fred go toe to toe with this menacing, powerful Lizardman team was really fun to watch. The final game of week two was Irish Wristwatch at Dead Man's Party. Irish Wristwatch, coached by Venger, is an underworld team, and Dead Man's Party, coached by Malik, is a necro team. We talked about how brittle Underworld is already. Venger. Smart play, decided to pick up two Bloodweiser babes right out of the gate to cover all that AV7. I thought that was so smart. Irish Wristwatch started the game on offense, set up a tight cage right at center pitch on turn one. Deadman's Party decided to counter this by just going aggressive. We've seen Malik do this all competition long. He gets really aggressive right out of the gate. No different in this game. He was successfully able to collapse the front of the cage. And then moved his werewolf into the left wide zone right in front of that cage to cover the wide zone. Really, really good maneuvering there by Malik. Not only that, he was able to pull the troll out of position. This would otherwise have been really good play. This was really, really good positioning, really good action order by Malik. The problem was, and this is tricky to see, so a lot of players in Blood Bowl, they'll get tunnel vision when they're on offense. They'll... Look down pitch for holes. Wenger doesn't do this. We've seen him time and again. He has really good situational awareness. He will look in 360 degrees. And if you leave a hole open laterally, he will take it. Cutting off the troll by Malik left a hole to the right side of the cage. And Wenger took advantage of it. Moved that cage right through that hole. And moved the cage down pitch. Really good play. Really good situational awareness by Venger, and it's something that it's tricky to see, and you have to you have to be on the lookout for holes at all times in Blood Bowl. But man, <laughs> there's so many decisions you have to make in Blood Bowl, and you're under a two minute time limit, <laughs> so it's it's really tough to do. Uh, but kudos to Venger for for seeing that hole and taking advantage of it, taking advantage of that hole. Dead man's party on turn two decided to. Counter with a one die no skill blitz with uh, I don't remember, I think it was with the werewolf maybe, but I think that was an action order error. He went with the one die no skill blitz that's super risky. The reason he did that is because if he got the ball, he wanted as many offensive options as possible. He wanted to get the ball first and then he could move players and figure out where he needs to go down pitch. The problem is. You have to weigh that, that probability uh, on the fly and determine what's the best course of action. It was such a risky play that when it failed, he realized, you know what, I'm not going to spend a TRR on this, which I think was probably the right call. But then that's that's a turn that you lost, basically. That's a, that's a no-op turn. And Venger took advantage of it on turn three took blocks, made marks, reset his offense, and more importantly, encircled that werewolf to take him out of the drive. And on turn four, Irish wristwatch scored. They went up 1-0. In the next drive, Deadman's party blitzed with the werewolf, got two pushes, and tried to dodge away. And So what happened here was the, the werewolf has frenzy. Frenzy means if you take a block or a blitz, and the result is a push, you must follow up, and you get to take... A block. In fact, you must take a block again. If the block is another push, you, you must follow up as well. You always have to follow up on a push. This can be very strong, especially if you want to surf players or get lots of dice to really try to take out a player, you know, get the knockdown, take out a, a high-dollar player. But it can also be it can be a bit of a detriment, and that's what happened here. He went for the blitz with the werewolf, got a push, followed... Uh, took the the second block, the follow-up block, got to push again, but that's that's not what he wanted. He wanted the knockdown on the first block and didn't get it, so he decided to dodge away and failed the dodge. The more dice you roll, the more of them are going to fail, and this is why action order is so important, especially on a Necro team. Again, I think Necro is really hard to coach. It's really tricky to figure out what order you want your players to go in, especially when you have so few key players. You have In my opinion, again, the the flesh golems and the werewolves, those are the meat of your team. And so figuring out when to take your actions with those players is really tricky, especially when you're playing against someone who's going to try to force you to take turns out of order. But this resulted in another turn that was basically a dead turn. And Irish Wristwatch was able to pick the ball right back up on turn five to Deadman's Party's credit they, uh, the werewolf was able to immediately get the ball back, but but that was really good pressure by by Irish wristwatch. Really well done, again, by Wenger. Dead man's party had a good blitz and a good block to a werewolf 75% handoff. This was to try to score. Good blitz to a good block. Had a 50% handoff opportunity with the werewolf, but he had the TRR that brought it up to a 75%. Having that TRR in hand for the handoff I think, made this a good play. I think this was a very good play by Malik. It just didn't work out. But I thought it was the right move. And if it did work out, he probably would have scored. So good attempt. When that failed, Irish wristwatch, this is turn eight, had an opportunity to pick up the ball to a quick pass to score. And that didn't work out. They failed the pass with the TRR, unfortunately. The half would finish up with Dead Man's Party on their turn eight. Trying a long shot to pick up pass and then score. They tried to pick up the ball. It was a five plus on the pickup. A one-third chance. It was worth a shot. He took it. Again, I think that was the right call. It didn't work out. But if it did, he would have been one up at the half. And I think that was I think that was the right play by Malik. Malik has really good awareness of where the ball is in relation to his players and how he wants his players to be. I think the trick with Necro in general is just what order do you want to put those players in? We saw that at the beginning of the game with he got very aggressive, but he knew where he wanted his players to be. We saw that when he got back the ball from Irish wristwatch on turn five. We saw that at the end of the half when he had two opportunities to score identified it, and took it, took it the correct way, too. It's just action order with Necro is is so paramount. And to that end, as the second quarter began on turn nine, Deadman's party was on offense. They failed a block right out of the gate and didn't spend the TRR, thus losing yet another turn in this game. That's three lost turns, effectively. He wanted to save those two TRRs for later, I understand that decision. They are precious. He recognizes how precious they are. But again, action order means you've lost three turns of player actions, and that, that's tough. To his credit, though, man, he he played very, very well. well. We'll talk about the second half here, despite losing three, effectively losing three turns. On this lost turn, Venger yet again applied pressure, and Malik just couldn't knock anyone down. the The die rolls weren't working out he was trying to take out some of these goblins it wasn't working <laughs> um another thing that dead man's party did was they marked they in the second half they chose to mark a lot of players with just a few players i don't think that was a good trade i think it's always a tough decision how many players do you want to mark with versus not if you do a one to one mark strength three strength three you could get a two die block i'm sorry you could get a one die block coming back if you want to ensure you don't get a one die block coming back, you have to make sure your strength is higher. If the strengths are even and your opponent has the block skill and you don't, you're almost certainly getting a one die block coming back. So you really want to make sure you you have the strength advantage before you hit that end turn button. But the more players you apply to mark an opponent, that's the less players you have to do other things with. And Malak chose to really tie up certain players with a lot of his own players. And I think that eliminated some choices he had to maybe uh, reset his formation and get on the ball. The ball was kicked off into the end zone. Malik tried to pick it up with the werewolf. A failed werewolf pickup resulted in the ball being thrown back up way up the pitch on the 14-yard line in the left wide zone. Irish wristwatch had an opportunity to pick up the ball but due to the failed goblin dodge dead man's party lucked out and they were able to secure that ball dead man's party much like irish wristwatch in the first half was able to find a lateral hole on this time on the left side of their cage on turn 13 they moved that cage up pitch and they scored on turn 15 again very good awareness by malik and dead man's party he knew where his, he wanted his players to be and he found an opportunity to get them there Action order, once he picked up the ball after that failed goblin dodge, after the throw-in, I think he played really well uh, in regards to action order. Just really, really nailed it. Ended up scoring. Very nice play, coaching what I consider a very difficult team. Turn 15 would go back to Irish wristwatch. Just two turns left to try to win this game. They've got to get in the scoring position on the kickoff. Dead Man's Party sets up with a thin screen le- near the line of scrimmage, and this formation, I think, was, I think, was his undoing. I would have pulled everybody back to the end zone and watched where Irish Wristwatch decided to get his players. Because having a thin screen blocks the whole pitch, but it only blocks the pitch by one man per. So... All Irish Wristwatch has to do is blitz one player. Now they have a hole to move down. And that's exactly what Irish Wristwatch did. They blitzed, opened up a hole, got the ball down pitch. Dead Man's Party had an opportunity to try to prevent the score. Could have gotten both werewolves in front of the ball carrier. Decided to go for the blitz behind the ball carrier instead. Didn't work out. Irish Wristwatch was able to score at the end of the game. Took a positive dodge. The final was two to one Irish wristwatch and dead man's party, both very difficult teams to coach. I think both coaches did a, a fine job, all things considered. And really my takeaway from this match was if, if Malik readjusts his action order, he is going to be a menace. (laughs) He's I think he's got, I think he's got the notes of that team down enough where just getting that action order rearranged is going to make him a nightmare. (laughs) And I hope I don't have to. I hope I don't have to go up against it. <laughs> That's not true. I like to play everyone, but man, I, I fear, I fear that team. <laughs> uh, week three started with Neglected of Nuffle at Irish Wristwatch. Again, Irish Wristwatch is the underworld team coached by Venger. Neglected of Nuffle, the Pro Elf team coached by War Horseman. War Horseman has been playing the most aggressive Elf team I've ever seen. <laughs> and consequently started this game with five journeymen. <laughs> Irish Wristwatch at the end of week two in their game against Dead Man's Party got their first mutation. They picked up extra arm on one of their throwers that makes catches, interceptions, and ball pickups a plus one. So a very good skill to pick up, especially on a thrower. As per the usual, we saw really aggressive play by the neglected of Nuffle. They were on offense to start off with. They ended up losing the ball in turn six. But a, the aggressive Elf defense forced a failed Irish wristwatch dodge. Props to War Horseman there. Part of Blood Bowl, a big part of Blood Bowl, is making your opponent roll dice. You want your opponent to mo- roll more dice than you do. The more dice you roll, the more opportunities you have for failure. So... Neglected Nuffle did a really good job with this aggressive defense to force the dodge. The dodge failed. Smart play by War Horseman. War Horseman had an opportunity here to pick up the ball. A mistake in action was made where he moved the receiver into the end zone first, which resulted in a very long pass, a, a long bomb, where if... The thrower moved up first and passed. It could have been. I think it could have been a sh- short pass. It might have been a long pass, actually. But still, much better than a long bomb. Uh unfortunately the pass didn't work. The pass would only have worked on a six and it failed. But good good effort by by neglected a with this really aggressive Elven play. Almost worked out to a score. That half would end at 0-0. Zero, zero, This time, Neglected of Nuffel kicks the ball to a short kick to the wide zone that Irish wristwatch left open. I thought that was good awareness by Neglected of Nuffel. I was wondering whether he would attempt that short kick enough. He did. It worked out. He didn't have a kicker, but still attempted it like he should have, and it worked out. Well done to War Horseman. Unfortunately for this game, apparently the ball was oiled and nobody could pick up this ball. Irish wristwatch had so many failed pickups with sure hands, it was nutty. <laughs> with the ball lying on the ground, Irish wristwatch went for a block, resulted in a push. It was a sidestep push, and Neglected Nuffle, chose to sidestep onto the ball, hoping for the ball to be knocked out of bounds and get a favorable throw-in. Unfortunately, the throw-in was good for Irish wristwatch. Neglected of Nuffle then, of course, went in hard on the ball. Irish wristwatch threw the ball to run behind the neglected defense and caged up on turn 11. Good play again by, by Wenger. This is another aspect of Blood Ball. If you can, sometimes you don't have to crack the defense. If you can just get past it, you're in good shape because now the defense is way out of position and they have to spend each of their turns catching up to you. Good play by Wenger. To recognize the scap, to get across the defensive line, and then cage up. Neglected of nuffle, unfazed by this on turn 15, took a five plus dodge to a one die blitz, and this worked out. Past the dodge, got the knockdown on the blitz. Unbelievable play by War Horseman, and yet again War Horseman forcing those die rolls. On Irish wristwatch at turn 14, failed goblin dodge of all things, allowed Neglected nuffle to pick up the ball to a successful long pass. Unfortunately, the receiver moved to the wrong wide zone. In the right wide zone, there was a goblin. In the left wide zone, there was a marked Skaven blitzer. He moved toward the marked Skaven blitzer, which allowed that blitzer to come after the ball carrier on Irish wristwatch's turn. If he would have stayed... By the Goblin, the Goblin didn't have enough strength, and the Skaven Blitzer was already marked, so either he would have to dodge, or he'd have to block where he doesn't move, or he'd have to blitz where he doesn't get at the ball carrier. As a result, the Skaven Blitzer picked up the ball on turn 15. This resulted in a handoff to a pass to a score. Neglected Oduffle had an opportunity before that to take a one-die blitz on the ball carrier that was really risky because it was a journeyman blitz versus a blitzer who has the block skill but it was the only way for neglected of nuffle to win they chose not to do it fair enough the game would end one zero irish first watch would win on a failed catch on the quick pass but he spent the trr he had the trr in the bank spent it won on turn 16 really fun game to watch by both coaches and a key win for Irish wristwatch that moves them up the leaderboard and keeps them in contention for the top four cut. Game two in week three was knee-high to Nuffle at Take the Wood, Take the Bad. Knee-high to Nuffle, coached by Clypheus, is a cast Dwarven team. Take the Wood, Take the Bad, again, is my team. It's a Wood Elf team. The game started with rainy weather and <laughs> Hank the Ranger in chat. Said if the weather immediately changes to nice weather, weather I'm going to lose my mind, and that's exactly exactly what happened. In fact, Hank the Ranger would call would call two or three kickoff events correctly. It was a little creepy. <laughs> a short kick on the kickoff resulted in a failed pickup. After the TRR had to be spent on the first block of the game on double skulls, didn't have the TRR for the pickup, and that failed pickup meant take the wood, take the bad, went after the ball early. Good play by take the wood, take the bad. They failed to score on a positive dodge with the dodge skill on the war dancer on turn three. They just needed something other than a one. They rolled snake eyes, failed to score. The bull centaur would pick up that ball. And this is a mistake that take the wood, take the bad made. And we talked about earlier in the podcast, they overcommitted on offense. It, it seemed like such a sure thing, right? You positive dodge the score. You've got the TRR. What could go wrong? Well, if you roll snake eyes, it goes wrong. And because they committed so hard on offense, they they put players into position to mark certain key knee-high to nuffle players to take certain blocks. This meant if the score didn't happen, they didn't have any players to get back and play effective D. And the Bull Centaur being super fast with an MA of six, Three GFIs a turn with sure feet. They were able to trample down pitch and score 1-0 at the half. At the start of the second half, take would take the bat would get the ball. They went strong left to start and blocked down half the line. Lots of blocks being taken, trying to open up a hole. They blocked down the line, shifted it to the right, did a blitz leap with the War Dancer to get the War Dancer down pitch. That worked out as well. Going... Heavy on that bash, however, that was, we talked about this a little bit with Dead Man's Party. Take the Wood, Take the Bad made the same mistake. Going strong left to bash down three players on the line left nobody left to cage up the ball. So when Take the Wood, Take the Bad went to pick up the ball, they decided, you know what? The, the pass is too long. It's not worth it. We'll just take our chances on the roll. But the Wardancer dancer didn't have the ball. There was one war dancer down pitch. And a alignment had the ball with two players by his side. That's not enough. The two die blitz by take the. Uh, I'm sorry. By knee high to nuffle was enough to knock the ball out of the hands of take the wood, take the bad, take the wood, take the bad. Really needed to set up a loose cage. Tight cages don't really work so well for wood elves. It's they're so fragile. It's so easy to just take out a corner or two and then force them to dodge. A loose cage, maybe a four by four, or even just sort of having, if you imagine sort of a, a crescent shape or a half arc in or a half circle in front of the ball carrier, that would have been much more effective. And with such a short kick in the second half, I think take the wood, take the bad really needed to do that. They needed to protect the ball carrier. They just didn't really clever move to to get a receiver down pitch but that left nobody left to secure the ball. So they would go down 2-0 on turn 12. Third drive of the game, they would have another leap blitz, this time on the Bull Centaur. Worked out because it was a answer. the answer Guild, of course. This time, the ball was not kicked short. It was kicked all the way into the end zone. Take the wood, take the bad, would again snake eyes out. They failed a two-plus pickup in the end zone. This spent the TRR, failed it again. The ball was thrown right back to knee high to Nuffle. <laughs> and take the wood, take the bat at that point, decided to run away for the rest of the game. They saved their war dancers, tried mildly to get the ball, but nothing too serious. They would lose this game 3 0. Knee high to Nuffle would take home 20 SPP. It was a killing. It is easy to point out the key die roll misfortunes for Take the Wood, Take the Bad. The, the failed dodge to score early in the first half. The failed pickup in the second half. But really the, the faults of Take the Wood, Take the Bad was player positioning. Just not in the first half, not having the players ready to shift the defense if they had to. And in the second half, not protecting that ball carrier with the loose cage. If Take the Wood, Take the Bad would have done both of those things, maybe they wouldn't have gotten the blocks they would have gotten. But I think they would have been in a much better position, and they could have, they could have won this game. But props to Nehai Nuffel. he played this Chaos Dwarf team very well. Went for hits that he was given. Really tried to separate and pick apart Elven players. When he'd get a wardancer down, he'd go after them with the fouls. It's exactly what you want to do. We've seen Claphius play very well time and again. Not much to say on his play here. Really killed it. Put on a clinic, frankly. Put on a Chaos Dwarf clinic and catapulted in the first place. Has a plus 7 TD differential to come out of this game. Three games are left in the week. Pips, Pippi Fan Club versus Tracksuit Mafia. That's the top table game that will be tonight at the time of this recording. Really not much to say about this game. This is Chaos versus Lizardmen. Tracksuit Mafia coached by Merrick. He's the current Chaos Cup champion. Chaos team, they're just going to try to murder those skinks. (laughs) They're going to go after those skinks, try to murder them. If they can get a Sars, that's cool too. Pips fan club being a lizardman team, they're going to bash. That's what they're going to do. They're going to bash. On offense, they're going to cage up. They're going to open holes. They're going to bash down the pitch. On defense, they have so much strength. They're probably going to play man-to-man. And Tracksuit Mafia needs, needs a plan for that. But otherwise, if those skinks are opened up, you can bet tracksuit mafia is going to go after them and just put the hurt on. If he can take out the skinks, then pips, pippy fan club has no ball carriers. There's nothing they can do with them. (laughs) So pips, pippy fan club just needs to play solid bashy ball. They have the speed and they have the strength to go man to man against tracksuit mafia mafia, uh, tracksuit mafia just needs to be careful of these when on offense. If he can do that, he can pull it out. Otherwise pips, pippy fan club, it's going to be their game to, to lose. Game four of week three is going to be a Reptile Dysfunction at Pity the Ghoul. Lizardmen versus Necro. I would say in this matchup that Pity the Ghoul would have a tough time. We talked about how Necro is just a tough team to play. Action order is hard to consider with a Necro team. Lizardmen are pretty straightforward. Uh, pretty solid team. But man, after Dead Fred's play in week two, I think Nick Satan needs to take notes. <laughs> uh, a Reptile Dysfunction has a unique lineup. They didn't go for the full six Saruses, but Pity the Ghoul also has a- an interesting lineup. They only have one werewolf picked up two whites instead. I think a Reptile Dysfunction needs to lock down... Typically, they need to lock down the golems and the werewolf, but I think they also need to be careful with these whites. The whites are basically the blitzers. If they can lock them down, they win this game. Pity the Ghoul conversely they need to leverage those players not having the second werewolf and picking up two additional players instead maybe that's a good call it gives them more more options especially when we're talking about action order being so critical i think this is going to come down to a chess match who gets marked what blitzes are taken it's all going to focus around those those necro players and if a reptile dysfunction can take them out of the drive or if pity the ghoul can keep them in the drive so another chess match is bound to happen, and I'm really excited to see how this is play out. That'll be Monday, which is tomorrow at the time of this recording. And the final game of Week 3 will be a minor matter at Dead Man's Party. Critical matchup for both these teams. They're both looking for a win to stay alive. They might still be alive after this week. I'm not really sure. I'll do the calculations after Week 3 is over. But definitely looking for a win if they want to crack in the top four. And this might inform their strategies. If they decide early on that they're not going to get the win they might just start playing for SPP they might just start playing to focus on their roster for the next competition in the season we'll see even though a minor matter is down on TV compared to Dead Man's Party they're going to end up giving 10k to Dead Man's Party due to the journeyman they have to pick up not really enough for Dead Man's Party to do anything with but As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think Malik needs to focus on making key blocks and key marks with the two werewolves, determining what order he wants to do that in. He is going to be down a golem. It's going to make things even harder. But if he can do that, he's got the rest of Necro, you know, under his cap. If he can do that, I think he pulls out the win. A minor matter has to be aware of the power of those werewolves, has to be aware of the power of that golem and needs to lock them down just the same way that a reptile dysfunction needs to do. They also need to be really careful of the third TRR. Dead Man's Party has three TRRs. That's a lot. And that's really, really strong. That gives him, I mean, that changes the odds on things dramatically. And three of them means you have three separate turns to use them. So a minor matter needs to be cognizant of that. Needs to try to lock down the important players. Needs to try to get Dead Man's Party to spend those TRRs. And if he can do that, then I think he he wins this game so that'll do it for this episode thanks for listening this has been a great competition so far i can't wait to see what happens in the future we still have half a week three left two more weeks of swiss before the cut to top four the winner of the competition will get an invite to the blood bowl can't wait to see what happens That'll do it for this episode. You can watch the Mid-Atlantic Mauling League on Twitch at twitch.tv slash aviunit02. That's E-V-A-U-N-I-T, the letter O, the number 2. And watch archive games on YouTube at Blood Bowl M-A-M-L. You can also follow us on Twitter at Blood Bowl underscore Mammal or on Facebook at Blood Bowl Mammal. Play Blood Bowl. You can play Blood Bowl online via Blood Bowl 2 or in tabletop form via your friendly local game store. Be kind to each other, forgive everyone, praise Nuffle, and may he bless your guys.